Then, just in time for puck drop, tip-off, and October baseball, Sportsnet now is having a sale on its annual pass. Are you going to be using SN now to watch some hockey this year? Definitely. I like watching Leafs, so I'll be tuning in on SN now for sure. You want to hear my uh, hot Leafs take? What do you got? No NHL team should ever name a captain again. It is a tradition from a bygone era that we need to eliminate. There's no point for it anymore. Even if it's pointless, it's a fun tradition. It's just the guy who has to go out and talk to the media every night. <laughs> who would want to be that guy? I think a lot of people would want to, and there are a lot of pointless, fun traditions in sports that I still like. So I say keep the captain. No, you should lose the captain, but you should get SN now, or you can stream more than 500 NHL games this season, blackout free, including the Stanley Cup playoffs, plus the 2019 NBA champion Toronto Raptors, and will be postseason, all your favorite Sportsnet original shows, and so much more. Save 20% until October 15th, and visit snnow.ca for more details. Two up, two down. We're in the top of the ninth inning. The Blue Jays with an 8-3 lead. A lot of Toronto Blue Jays still in that dugout. The 0-1 pitch. There's a fly ball. Shallow in right. Biggio going back. His arm stretched out. He's there. Makes the catch to finish the ball game. And wrap up the 2019 season. As the Toronto Blue Jays knock off the Tampa Bay Rays, they win the series, taking two out of three with an 8-3 to three winning edition of Blue Jays baseball here this afternoon. The crowd that has stuck around out of their chairs, applauding the Blue Jays as they meet around the mound. High fives, hugs. Charlie Montoyo stepping out of the third base dugout, pointing over towards the first base dugout. He's got so many players that he became so close to over 18 years in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, of course. The Blue Jays now are starting to come off the field over the third baseline, continuing to give high fives, some waves off into the crowd. The fans assembled beyond that third base dugout. They're out of their chairs. They're giving a standing ovation to the Toronto Blue Jays as they leave the field for the final time here in 2019. Next assignment, spring training for us. And then, of course, opening day, 179 away, right here at Rogers Center to open up the next journey of Blue Jays baseball in the 2020 season. Next assignment for Ben Wagner, perhaps, but for Ben Nicholson-Smith, Shai Davidi, and Arden Zwelling, the next assignment is putting a wrap on at the letters for the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays season. That is us. We have assembled here in the old podcast studio. Good to be back home. Uh, and this is, of course, at Letters brought to you by the all-new 2019 Ford Ranger, which I do want to tell you uh, has an available FX4 off-road package, including off-road tuned monotube shocks, all-terrain tires with aggressive tread, plus the terrain management system and trail control, which provide essential off-road technology. If you want to hear Ben, Shy, and I uh, wrap up the 2019 Blue Jays season and cast ahead to the upcoming off season, uh, you can check that out on YouTube. We sat down uh, in the studio with the cameras and the lights and everything and uh, broke that all down. So that'll be on Sportsnet's YouTube page. But we are here now because there is unfinished business for at the letters for 2019, that being the over-unders between Ben and I that we recorded at the beginning of the season uh, and that I have uh, completely forgotten about and am very excited to uh, to hear how they ended up playing out. 
It's always fun. It is really one of my favorite episodes of the year um, when we set out to predict the season, knowing that the very questions that we ask, or that in this case we ask people to ask us, are sometimes ridiculous with the benefit of hindsight. What uh, the great joy for you, the audience, and I should, I'm going to spell a little secret here, but last week when we were in the press box together, the subject of the over-unders came out, and I have to tell you, there was some contention. There was some debate, and I'm here to judge, moderate, play referee, perhaps linesman if our two (laughs) friends have to be separated here uh, because of the debate, but I'm really honored and excited that I get to deliberate over this and deliver the verdict to our audience. I'm glad you used the word judge because we live in a lawful society, and it's important (laughs) that due process is played out and that there aren't any, you know, high chinks that, you know, nobody is uh, doing anything sneaky. You know, it's important to have an impartial third party here to arbitrate what is a very, very important edition of the Overrunners. Right, yeah. I think it's funny because the other day we were in the press box again and the topic came up again and uh, someone asked me, oh, Ben, like you seem pretty confident. Have you been spending some time like putting your case together over one particular Overrunner? And I said, guys, like this case writes itself. Like all you have to do is listen, go back to the record books and the facts are all there for us to see. So I'm, I'm very excited for this episode. Well, as I told you guys at the time, Boys, save it for the podcast. (laughs) It has been saved. It has already begun. But I think we should move into the deliberations. Right. Please, Shai, take us away. You know what we're going to do? The contentious question I'm going to leave for the very end. Yeah, sure. And we'll start with the matters that are without issue. And there are 24 questions without issue. There is one that will be the subject of some (laughs) debate. So we'll start with number one from our friend Jeff Blair who asked over under on Charlie Montoyo ejections this year. The over under was two and a half. Arden, you went over and Ben, you went over as well. Only two ejections for Charlie Montoyo this season. A little disappointing. I thought we might see more. I kind of thought that like you would just fluke into a couple ejections, like arguing balls and strikes or, you know, like a little too much chatter from the, from the dugout. If we learned something about Charlie Montoyo this year, it's that he's not getting injected very often. I guess maybe we got too used to John Gibbons over the years, whose name, by the way, is resurfacing in some rumors around various managerial openings. So maybe uh, maybe with time, Montoyo will, will add a few to that tally. I mean, two ejections is a week for John Gibbons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do think there was an interesting amount of level-headedness. And what's also interesting... I think he's got a much better relationship with umpires than a lot of coaches and a lot of managers might, and that he may get a bit more leeway where some guys could say things and get chucked right away, that Charlie Montoyo might get a little bit more rope from umpires. Interesting. He's even said a couple times, you know, umpires told me that they liked the way Reese McGuire was presenting balls, or umpires told me, you know, other observations. So that does seem to be the case. All right. Question number two came from our good friend on... Blue Jay Central, Kevin Barker, who asked on how many home runs Randall Gritchick will hit in 2019. The over-under was 32 and a half. Arden, bullish on Gritchick's season and prospects, went over. Ben, less so, under. And we ended up at 31. You came close, eh? It was well set, the over-under. Yeah, nice job by Kevin Barker on that. Well set. Very close. 
How do we feel about Randall Grichuk's seasons, guys? I thought it was going to be a lot better. You, I remember saying at this time, or not this time, but like, I don't know, six months ago, whenever this started, like, I think Randall Grichuk's going to have a breakout year just based on what he had done over the final four months of 2018. Uh, I was very wrong. Yeah, and if we had known going into this season that the ball would fly the way it did with a record number of home runs around baseball, I probably would have taken the over on this. But Grichuk just never got off to that great start and... You know, he never really put together a, a consistent stretch offensively to have a good season, um, one that he's admitted was disappointing, and so he ends up under. He I tried think, to get me there. I'm looking at it right now. He had eight home runs in September right, and six in August. He tried to get me there real hard. It's a good, good finish. Him. Definitely. All right. So Ben's up 2-1 right now. one nothing in the ones that are kind of flex categories. Oh, true. Yeah, or 2-1 yeah, yeah. either way. Whatever. All right. <laughs> we'll go with Ben's math on this one. I, I trust Ben with the math more than you are. Don't Fair. take offense it's, to that. I don't. All right, Joe Siddle. His question was: How many home runs will the Blue Jays hit in the 2019 regular season? The over/under is set at 189.5. Both of you fellows went over, and the total: 247 home runs for wow. the Blue Jays this season. Yeah. I mean, this was, again, that's, that was set in a pre-understanding like just how much the ball is going to fly this year era. And it had already flown a lot the past yeah. couple of seasons. And I think that if you looked at certain players, there are a number of players on this team that we would have thought had disappointing or below expectation offensive seasons, and still they end up with this home run number. It's crazy. I remember at the time... Joe was explaining his thought process and he came to that number through a very reasonable line of thinking. I mean, he had looked at some historical numbers and kind of pegged the Blue Jays there to make it difficult for us. And I think it was not an easy over under compared to certain ones that we've had over the years. And yet they just shattered it. I mean, they went so far past it because you're the home run. And to me, the fact that they were still a team that struggled to score despite this many home runs speaks to the significance of the disparity in their OBP numbers and their batting average. They were last in the majors in batting average at 236, 26th or 27th in on-base percentage. This is something that the Blue Jays have recognized and certainly something they have to fix to get into next year. Yeah, it's interesting to hear Ross Atkins saying, well, we got to put the ball in play more. And this is an era where the ball is in play, you know, as seldom as it has been at any point in baseball. The Blue Jays are going to look to do a little more, uh, a little more contact next year. Yeah, they need a lot more Kevin Biggio type of discipline at the plate. That would help too. All right, question number four from our hockey writing friend Ryan Dixon. Over under one hundred and fifty point five innings pitch for Aaron Sanchez this year. <laughs> we got unders from both you guys, and. You know, he was actually on track to to beat this total until he got hurt the, at the end of the season. Final innings total, 131 and a third. He got pretty close. It's actually kind of crazy how close he got, considering that he's out for basically the entire 2020 season, missed the end of the 2019 season, but he actually put up some innings. Yeah, and if, if he doesn't get hurt, he's blowing past that by a significant margin. And, of course, if he doesn't get hurt is a refrain that has been common around Aaron Sanchez. But, you know, once he went down with that pec injury, how much did it change your evaluation of the Derek Fisher acquisition? Good question. Go ahead, Ben. It definitely changed it. It's still a disappointing return, but they also gave up a disappointing return for Houston. So I think it's just disappointment all around, honestly. 
depends what Cal Stevenson becomes, right? Like, I want to believe that he can be something, and I know that, you know, people in the game will tell you, ah, probably, you know, maybe a fourth outfielder, like just an org guy, depth prospect, but if he can become something at the big league level, the the trade's going to look a lot different in hindsight. But right now, it just looks like one of those trades that nobody wins. That trade is one of those deals that reinforced to me how, for the most part, teams generally trade right value for right value. And you rarely see the type of lopsided deal, the Archer deal, for instance, which is the new benchmark for lopsided trades. Those are so hard to pull off, and you really need a team in dire circumstances. And Pittsburgh was in a bad situation when they made that deal, and it's only gone off the cliff since then. But it's really hard to make that kind of a trade anymore. Saren Sanchez tendered a contract by the Houston Astros in, uh, in a few weeks. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Probably not, right? The likeliest scenario, I wonder if they may try to do non-tenderum and then do a multi-year deal where he gets, they're basically betting on him for 2021 and they set up a, a nice salary in 2021 with some achievable bonuses. Seems fair. If you're the Blue Jays, you got something for a non-tender candidate for Joe Biagini, who's just, you know, a bullpen arm and a non-prospect. You got something. You got Derek Fisher, who at least has like that 900 OPS in AAA. Maybe he figures it out in the majors. Maybe he doesn't. You got something. Yeah, and the Blue Jays are still pretty intrigued by Derek Fisher. They, they just <laughs> not Blue Jays fans. Definitely but the Blue, Blue Jays are. Yeah, right. They saw that movie, but the Blue Jays they just can't get past the fact that Derek Fisher could put up those kind of numbers in the minor leagues and not have them translate in some way, shape, or form. And Derek Fisher's got some work to do. They've got some work to do with him, but. It's interesting. I think that he may get a bit more run than some people might be expecting. Well, it's him or Anthony Alford on this team at the end of spring training next year, right? Like, it's hard to envision a scenario where both of those guys crack the roster uh, next April. Right. And the runway, one way or the other, is going to be short. Okay, to question number five from Hockey Night in Canada's Elliot Friedman, who generally is known for having 31 thoughts on hockey, but apparently has some thoughts on baseball periodically as well. And his question was July 31st, Marcus Stroman as a Blue Jay. Over not traded, under traded, and both you guys correctly selected the under. Yeah, the only way he wasn't going to be traded was he gets hurt. Really, I think. That was one of the calls that I was probably more comfortable with going into this season. Yeah. Um, there are some things on this list that surprise us, and I don't think that Looking back, that was one of the surprises. Um, but certainly where he got traded was surprising to us and surprising to Strowman <laughs> as he uh, let the Blue Jays personnel know when he heard the news. In, in vociferous fashion. And I guess similar to the question I just asked you guys about Aaron Sanchez. But when you take the step back, and in light of Brian Cashman's wonderful for us, questionable if for considering his role comment that the Yankees did not see Marcus Stroman as a difference maker. Did that change your mind on how the Blue Jays did in this deal? Understanding that we really won't have a fair evaluation of this trade until we know what Simeon Woods Richardson is. Yeah, I think that the last couple months have made me like that return a little bit better for the Blue Jays. I mean, Anthony Kay looks pretty good to me. I think it's easy to envision him as a back-of-the-rotation starter uh, when you look at that fastball and the way that he throws that breaking ball in there. The results that he had at AAA were pretty good. And then Woods Richardson was really good too. So you've got a couple of good pieces back. 
And then like you said, if the industry value just wasn't there as far as Strowman as a as a guy in the postseason, then it does stand to reason that your offers just wouldn't be as strong. It's surprising that Brian Cashman came out and said that. Surprise Stroh. <laughs> I love his response. For, I miss having Marcus Strowman around for the entertainment factor, for like things like that, right? For just even watching him pitch. He's just a fun guy to watch pitch, really. I'd more like to know whether he just employs a graphics team capable of put, <laughs> pulling together stuff for his Twitter nearly instantaneously. He's got an internship program. Yeah, seriously. It's like he's taking like night classes and just furiously working at InDesign <laughs> trying to get this graphic perfect. I love that vision of Stro just grinding just to crush Brian Cashman on Twitter. But it was one heck of a graphic, I will say that. But I miss watching him pitch because, man, I miss the hesitations and I miss him going out there with like different pitch mixes every time and I miss him celebrating and, and being cocky on the field field and getting into disagreements with guys over quick pitches and uh, fielding his position like a stud too like to, to me like he switched leagues so it's tough but I think he should win another gold glove this year right and it's really interesting did he do enough in the four months that he was here in the American League to win that gold glove because I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a better defender on the mound than Marcus Stroman it's rare to have a pitcher that you like watching play defense, right? It's not something you really think of, but he's so good out there defensively. He's almost like a shortstop out on the mound. If the Blue Jays were in a position or the Mets were in a position where they had to put him at second base, I think he would be fine. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think he would do a fine job. All right. Uh, question number six from Stephen Brunt, master of all content at Sportsnet. And his was... Marcus Stroman, innings pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Let's say over under 120. Arden, you took the over. Ben, you took the under. Total, 124.2. Wow. A well-set over-under by Mr. Brunt there. No surprise. No surprise there. And a, a victory, a rare victory for Arden on an over. You don't see a lot of that. True. That was a that yeah right? a hard earned victory. <laughs> Often I like just take all the overs and just <laughs> suffer bitter defeats. Uh, but this actually pulls me level so far. Next up, Ashley Docking, Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan Morning Show host. Do you think there will be over or under ten and a half starting pitchers in the Blue Jays rotation by the end of the season? Both of you guys over over, and a woefully woefully light over under number the correct total 21 wow could you name all of them no chance no chance at all no chance uh, i have the baseball reference page up in front of me um i wonder how many i could get you want to try all right let's see trent thornton yep ryan barucki yep clayton richard mm-hmm. matt shoemaker edwin jackson anthony k tj zoic ryan Farabend. Daniel Hudson. Nice. David Phelps. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wilmer Font. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, you only had 11, dude. <laughs> wow. Okay, Edwin Jackson. You already said Edwin Jackson. Did I say sure. Edwin Jackson already? I'm pretty sure you did. Oof. Let's not waste the rest of the podcast doing dude, this. Dude, were you going to get Neil Ramirez? Neil Ramirez against the Texas Rangers, and I covered that game. Buddy Boshears, Ryan Tapera. How you- many openers did they use? Oh, a lot. Hudson, Tapera, Boshears, Phelps, Ramirez, and Font, obviously. So that's a good number. Yeah. Wilmer Font finished fourth in starts on the Toronto Blue Jays. Crazy. Trent Thornton led the team in innings pitched by a mile. But yeah, that was, uh, we definitely soared past the over on that one. <laughs> definitely. We remain tied. 
All right. Question number eight comes from Dan Shulman, of course, the beloved broadcaster from the Blue Jays uh, on Sportsnet. And his question was about the Blue Jays defensive efficiency ranking, setting the over under at 18 and a half. Very well placed. Both of you guys selected the under final total 19. So we both get it right. Both get it right. I'll take it. Close. Narrow. I remember we ran that one by a Blue Jays executive who will remain unnamed and uh, at the beginning of the season, and they were like trying to convince us that, like, no, 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 you guys are wrong. And then by the end of the discussion, they were like, yeah, okay, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) Barely, but we were right. We'll take it. What does that say about the Blue Jays' defense this season? They need more improvement still. And it's hard to improve on defense too. Like, it's, it makes a big difference for your overall run prevention, but it's tough to do, especially when you have the same personnel in place. Right. Here, there's only so much gains that you can get from internal players if they don't have much upside. That being said, one Blue Jay defender that I thought made a lot of strides this season, who wasn't probably part of your thinking when you set your over-under here, was Kevin Biggio, who had a lot of questions about whether he can stick at second base, whom Ross Atkins, during a season of ending availability with us, said the Blue Jays can now envision as an everyday second baseman. Are you surprised by that? Isn't the best case scenario for him still that he's you're utilizing his versatility, right? And you're playing him in a bunch of different spots. Like it's great that he's like a good second baseman, but like best case scenario, isn't he like kind of playing all over the diamond a little bit? And I think they still could use him in that way. I mean, you see guys like Mookie Betts even playing a tiny bit of second base or a tiny bit of center field if they need him to, but mostly he's a right fielder. So I think with Kevin Biggio, probably to a greater extent, they could use him in left for 10 games, but mostly have him be that everyday second base. And I think that's probably where you want him getting his primary reps at second base, at least the way they're set up right now. Uh, to number nine, Hazel May, also from the Sportsnet broadcasts. How many putouts will Teoscar Hernandez record in left field this season? I'm setting it at 185.5 putouts. Both of you guys went under, and he made 78 putouts in left field, but intriguingly, 183 in center. And at this point, we did not know that he was going to be a center fielder. So in like in thinking about this, I guess we were wondering about playing time. I was thinking he would be a DH, honestly. Yeah. Like just how badly he played left field in 2018. I'm thinking, all right, they might try him in left, but you know, really he's a DH. I was not anticipating that they would put him in center field. That was not what I expected. And, you know, I think playing the outfield is really hard and Teoscar Hernandez is a reminder of that. He might still be a DH. Right. And it's also an illustration of how the center fielder of the future for this team is not in the not on the roster right now and maybe not in the organization either. And if you get him this offseason, maybe Teoscar Hernandez is filling your first base hole. Thought about that? You never know. It's an opening there. It it is an intriguing possibility, but don't they sort of have to keep first base available in case your Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has to move across the diamond? In case Jordan Groshans comes up and pushes them over to first, absolutely. But like at that point, is Teoscar Hernandez still a Blue Jay? Right? In I don't know, in 2021-2022, is Teoscar Hernandez a Blue Jay? I'm not sold that he is. Right. There's no guarantee. I mean, I'll put it this way. There's no harm in slipping a little first baseman's glove into his bag at spring training and letting him take a few ground balls. All right. Question number 10 is along similar lines. Comes from Blue Jays radio broadcaster Mike Wilner. How many games are Brandon Drury 
and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. going to start in the outfield this year. The two of them combined. How many games are they going to start in the outfield? The over-under is 19 and a half. And both of you fellows went under. Brandon Drury, 24 starts. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr., 61. Wow. Yeah. Way off. And this was pre-Lourdes Gurriel Jr. becoming a left fielder. Way off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, both either one of them on their own would have exceeded uh, the mark set by Mike Wilner there. So, yeah, definitely missed that one. And, you know, I think next year we'll see Lourdes in there a lot. And I don't know where we're going to see Brandon Drury, but I think Lourdes will be a left fielder going forward. Yeah. I would uh, definitely agree with that. I think we're going to see Brandon Drury probably in the same role that he was in this year, bouncing around, uh, just filling any hole in the lineup on a given day. Who did we think was going to be the left fielder at that point then? I guess Teoscar, Teoscar Hernandez was we, the left fielder who, then. Who Pilar? We, yeah, Pilar, oh, we, we didn't anticipate a Kevin yeah. Pilar trade. That was it, Yeah, which we probably should have. Well, it, was, no. it was a surprise that early in the season. I think if you asked me at that point, I'd be like, who's trading for him? You know? Like, who's giving anything up for him? And who did give anything up for him? Not the Giants. Uh, Derek Law was all right. I mean, Alan Hansen was a disaster. Um, but Der- Derek Law, like, gave you some value over the second half of the season. He's yeah. closing games for this team. Yeah. I mean, he has, like, a 5 ERA as a middle reliever. He had a, he was, re- like, really, really bad early on. And to a point where I was like, is he going to be on this team tomorrow on several days? I, th- I wondered that. But... Give him credit for what he did over the back half of the season. He finished strong. All right, next up from Blue Jays radio broadcaster Ben Wagner comes this question. I am actually going to say the over-under for the Toronto Blue Jays in 2019, their wins leader will be a single digit. Nine and a half is where the over-under was set. Both of you guys bullish on Blue Jays starters went over. Co-leaders on the Blue Jays. At six were Trent Thornton and the departed Marcus Stroman and Daniel Hudson. Wow. Daniel Hudson? Six. Daniel Hudson won six games for the Toronto Blue Jays in the year 2019. Yes. Excuse me? Nationals closer. Closing out big games. Yeah, it's that's crazy. That's the most shocking part of this whole thing. Go ahead. Sorry. How many, like, <laughs> we, we should do some research into this. How many teams have ever had six as the total of wins for the team leader in that category? That's got to be pretty rare. We could look it up. That's got to be really like, rare. like even by accident, you would think someone would have won more than that. You know what? I vaguely remember the Marcus Stroman was getting like terrible run support early in the season. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Like I vaguely, I vaguely remember that. Like, and then he, and then he had a run of wins towards the end that pushed him up to six. And I bet you that I was betting on Marcus Stroman getting to ten wins because I thought he was going to be good this year. But I think it, we were done in by that that run support. All right, uh, we're going to skip past the contentious question. We'll go to. David Singh, Sportsnet.ca writer. We're tied right now, right? Like Ben and I? We are tied. We're tied, all right. All right. Uh, he was wondering. Hey, Ben and Arden, got an over-under for you about Bo Bichette. Do you think he plays over 60.5 games with the Blue Jays this season or under? Both of you guys went under correctly, and the total was 42 for Bo. And this actually got a lot closer than I thought. I thought at the time that this was one of the easier questions that we had to answer, and it ended up being really close. Bichette played more in the majors than I thought he would. Really? You didn't think he'd be up earlier? Like, because he missed the time with uh, the broken hand. I still thought that they would let him, you know, play most of the season. Even the thought crossed my mind that they might do the Vladdy service time thing with him. Really? Yeah. 
All right, next up, we got Sportsnet multi-platform star Donovan Bennett with questions on how many Blue Jays home sellouts. I'm setting the number at two and a half. And uh, we've got a lead change here. Arden, you went over. Ben, you went under. And the total number of sellouts was zero. Wow. They didn't sell out opening day. They didn't sell out Canada Day. Didn't sell out Vlad's Victoria debut. Day. Vlad's debut. They didn't sell out any of those. No sellouts for the Blue Jays. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah. To have a full season, 81 home dates, zero sellouts. What do you make of the decline in Blue Jays attendance? This has been a little bit of a topic in recent days. Like, I wonder how to contextualize it because attendance is down like across baseball. Like the New York Yankees had a reduction in attendance. The Houston Astros, like, those are two of the best teams in the American League. They saw declines in attendance, not as precipitous as the Blue Jays did. And you had to assume that the Blue Jays, you know, weren't going to see an increase in attendance, but do you think this should be a, a concern? I don't think so. To the extent that we're aware of these things, and you know, this is kind of reading between the lines on some comments that Mark Shapiro makes and others, but I think they plan really carefully, and I think they have far in advance of the season a sense of how their ticket sales will go. And so they know how their revenue is going to look, they know how their beer sales are going to go, they know how their popcorn sales are going to go. So I never sensed any like, oh man, this is really bad at all. Now, if they don't start winning, then they won't start seeing those increases, and then it's maybe a problem. But as long as they start winning, I think they're fine. You would think that, but there are two points that I will make for you that, to me, offer some cause for concern. 2017, it was their second consecutive season, over 3 million in attendance. It was 3.2-something that year. So in the span of two seasons, you've dropped 1.5 million in attendance. That's a significant chunk. That's a very steep and precipitous decline. Number two, they dipped below 2 million for the first time since 2010 or 2011. 2010, they were 149. And so that's another worrying number. Three, and this was the season low, which came in the fifth game into the season. They attracted only 10,460 fans against Baltimore on April 1st, which was only a couple hundred fans away from the all-time low at Rogers Center. Now, the Baltimore Orioles were there on the first week of April in a season where you're essentially playing for a draft pick. So there are a lot of signs there. There are a lot of explainable reasons. But still, that's not just a bit of a decline. Like That's fallen off a cliff. I think the Blue Jays are a lot more savvy now than they once were in terms of dynamic pricing and kind of you know, the premium experiences that we hear so much about. So if they, even if they have less fans, if they're making the same amount of money off of fewer butts and seats, like does it matter? I think they have better models too. Right? Like Part of the shift that we see is the baseball operations one, and that's obviously what we focus about, what we care about mostly. But there is also a parallel shift in the business operations that under Paul Beeston and Alex Anthopoulos, just it was a little bit different. And now it's more sophisticated and it's more in step with the way modern businesses are run. Just to play devil's advocate, and I'm not disagreeing with you guys in terms of the revenue and the sophistication of the business, but ultimately, how concerned are you about the decline in the number of people with which you're engaging? All those things are great, but they're even better if you have more people to engage with. You reach people differently these days, so right? You reach them on their phones. You reach them on their watches. You know, like, sure, but a it, lot, of, a lot of that you're not monetizing. 
And ultimately, isn't that the goal? Like you have a stadium to, in order to fill it. Yeah. And it was once very full. Right. And in a very short amount of time, it ceased being full. But revenues across baseball are at all-time highs. Yeah, one thing that I look at from a kind of global perspective is, are we doing a good enough job of getting, say, kids to engage with the game on a up-close level? Because, yeah, the money's there, and that's great. But we want to make sure that kids are engaging with baseball. And for me, at least, I, I don't know about you guys, but... From, I started to love baseball because I'm there watching a game. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little league game, maybe it's a minor league game, maybe it's a major league game, but being at the ballpark is obviously way more interesting than checking an app. A hundred percent. And I remember talking to uh, an executive from Major League Baseball in 2015 during the playoffs, and he said to me, the Blue Jays are the envy of every team right now because not only are all these people here, but this is one of the youngest fan bases in the majors. Right. And... If you start losing that, and it, and you can lose interest in, in a heartbeat, and it can be really hard to get back. And the assumption is that the fans will come back once the team is good, and it's a logical assumption based on history and track record, but it's not a guarantee. And I think that is, if you're the Blue Jays, something that you have to be worried about. Did you lose that momentum that you had from 15, 16. Well, and how much of that is the Blue Jays being bad and how much of that is like greater forces at play here, which is that baseball is like a really tough sell to young people today. You're already dealing with a, a product that's like three to four hours per game. It's uh, a game that has like, you know, its stars are not super recognizable and not super outspoken and don't make a lot of news. It's a league where front offices are more uh, risk averse than ever. Like you don't see the player movement that you see in the NBA, so there isn't as much interest. Like during the the off season storylines are about how no teams won't sign players, right? How how, how teams won't pay players, uh, which is an even greater concern that we may be heading towards a, a work stoppage. It's a tough sell to to young people these days with baseball. And to just provide some historical context, you know, when you pin twin events in terms of your team going down within some wider trends in 1994 where the Blue Jays were just starting to fall down from the cliff off the back-to-back World Series victories and then the strike hit and you had these two events and then the Blue Jays weren't able to recapture the passion of the fan base that they had then really until 2015-2016. So there's not a direct parallel there, but I think when you're factoring in those two things, it's something to that certainly needs to be monitored. And if the kids, the current crop of kids, don't help the Blue Jays rebound perhaps even slightly in attendance next year, you know, it's something to worry about with this fan base. Yeah, hopefully there's a bounce back. All right, uh, next up is uh, Sportsnet 590 The Fan morning show host Scott MacArthur. And he's got a couple for us. And we're going to start with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s games played in the majors over the past season. The over-under was set at 89.5. Both of you went over correctly. Final total, 123. That was Nailed a pretty it. easy one, then. From here, my Vlad Jr. predictions we, uh, go steeply downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I was so high on him going into the year, so at least I got the games right. You would have had to be betting on like a Vladdy injury to go under 89.5, right? Yeah. All right, and this is the partner question from Scott. And with a minimum of 200 plate appearances so that we deal with a bit of a sample size here, does Vladdy Homer in more than 6% of his plate appearances or less? Arden, you went under. Ben, you went 
over. It's got to be the under. It's got to be. It was and the it, under. And it was the be. under. It ended up at 2.9% with Ooh. his 15 home runs. That was the weirdest thing about his season is they just didn't hit that many homers. Like, especially, like, he, I had in my piece yesterday, like, he, he hit, like, almost half of his homers in his first month. Yeah. In, like, May. That's crazy. Yeah. For, he didn't, his last home run was, like, August 25th or something like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was fading by the end of it. And for a guy who has so much power, that is a pretty low total. And 514 plate appearances. Yeah. You know, for a guy who... In an era where the ball is yeah. flying like crazy. And I think that what was, to me, a bit most startling, I, I mean, when you looked at his peripherals, there were a couple things. Like, I was surprised by the ground ball percentage, and I was surprised by how mediocre the exit velocity and the hard hit ball rate was. League average. Both of them, right? And that's a guy who like has great bat-to-ball skills and great exit velocity. Like I think it was three of the eight hardest-hit balls in MLB this year came off his bat, and a pretty good chunk of the top 25 as well. But then you look at the overall exit velocity and hard-hit rate, and they're totally league average. Going to be really interesting to track that one. Hey, not often you see me win an under. And yeah, not often I take an over, and of course it yeah. backfires. Last time I do that, sorry, Vladdy. So does that put me in the... Lead or is that tied? We're tied. We're tied after it, that. It's 10-10 right now, guys. We're tied. All right. Uh, now we get into the run of over-unders that you guys set for yourselves. And oh, boy. We're, uh, we're still in the uh, Vlad Jr. section, and we're at his OPS. And so... Oh, I'm losing this one. The over-under was set at 834.5. Arden, another under. Ben, another over. And it was 772. So oh. point for Arden. Rough. Wow. The scary thing is I probably would have taken the over at like 880 and still lost. If I said it, I know what you're going to say. If I said it at 899 for next season, you're taking the over on over, that. Over, definitely. Yeah. What do you got on that one, Arden, for next year? Right now, <sighs> without seeing what he looks like coming into next spring right, training. That's the big variable, but on 899, probably under. Shy, what, do you, what would you take? I would go over. Yes. Really? That's a, like, look, if he shows up and the body composition's there and he's clearly put in the work over the offseason, then yeah, he could have like a massive 2020. I'm taking the over on 899, even if he looks as is this year. Oh, wow. really interesting. Nice. What's going to change? I think Rex. his approach, the lineup, understanding the pitchers, uh, the change in his methodology. I just think there was a lot of maturity and that he just faded physically in he, the last month. He hit like half of his balls into the ground, though. That's going to have to change. Some of that may have been a byproduct of fatigue. Yeah. And also, it's, I think it's a guy who is learning for the first time at the big league level. There are adjustments going to make. He's a smart hitter. He's a 20 year old who posted a 772 OPS. Oh, yeah. Like a 20 year old with as like an above average producer in MLB is like, is amazing. Like, that's honestly like our bar for him is so much higher because he has the potential to be like a Hall of Famer. Like, he has unbelievable potential. But you even look at the expected statistics this year based on his quality of contact, and they suggest that he was a little bit lucky. Like, not super lucky, but a little bit lucky. All right, next up. And remember when, I know, I'm on tangent. <laughs> remember when, like, Kendris, Never interrupt Arden mid-tangent. Yeah. Kendris Morales would, like, always kill those expected yeah. stats, right? But he hit the ball into the ground, like, so damn much. But the exit velocity was there, and the quality contact was so good that the expected stats said he should be doing so much better. So for Vladdy to not have, that's why I'm, like, a little hesitant about saying he's he's going to have a, an OPS next year that starts with a nine. Done? <laughs> Turn off my mic. So next up, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s war. Over under, 2.95. Oh, no. Arden with the under. Ben with another over. 
And once again, point Arden, 2.1 war. This is, I'm learning my lesson for taking the over. Yeah, like, but I'm glad you will always take the over. I have so far, and it's, it's backfiring. If I made it like a 949 OPS next year, would you go over? No. Oh, or yeah. if 924. <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> under. Yeah, if I had to. Once again, uh, we're flipping on this one. Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s home run total over under 23 and a half. Arden, you're bullish here with the over. Ben with the under. Wisely, point for Ben, 15 home runs. I'll take it. I thought he was going to hit a ton of bombs. I yeah. thought that for sure. Um, I thought he wasn't going to be very fast, so, but it's so I thought that you know some of those other numbers weren't going to be there. But I thought he was going to put the the ball in the seats a lot more than he did. So Arden's up one right now. Shy knows. Yep, up by one. All right. So next up, how many do we have left? This is the <laughs> we <laughs> got seven left. <laughs> seven left. And uh, this is the the wrap up for the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. portion of the proceedings. Attendance for his home debut, oh, this was actually well set, 29,999.5. Arden over, Ben under, another point for Ben, tying it up, 28,688. Wow, that was well set. Man, I really thought there would be more than that. Yeah. Remember people were like, that was like the biggest question that I got last off season. And even into the beginning of April was like, when's Vlad, you know, I'm trying to buy tickets or whatever. It's like, you could have bought walk-ups. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. But we got that question a lot. We were trying to predict a specific date. Like it's yeah. going to be a Tuesday against the A's. Like we were down to it. Very specific predictions. I mean, we were doing that partly for travel. So we can <laughs> make sure that we had the whole team there for that. All right. Uh, the annual challenge. Kevin Pillar on base percentage, oh. over under 299.5. Arden, consistent as ever, believing in Kevin Pillar, takes the over. Ben under, 287, boys. Always take the under on Kevin Pillar OVP <laughs> bets. Always. Uh, I, it's tradition, though. It's important to uh, uphold traditions. I have to vote for, for Kevin Pillar. I, one of these years, he's going to do it. Are we going to have that on our over-unders 2020? Well, if he's a big leaguer, yeah. <laughs> we, we, I think we, or even if he's a minor leaguer. Yeah. Right? He'll play somewhere yeah, next he'll year. he'll play somewhere. So, yeah, somewhere. No, yeah. It's, look, his career OBP is 296. So it's right there. Right under there. <laughs> Similarly, and I think we should have this one on the 2020 over-unders as well. Danny Jansen on base percentage. Oof, this was uh, this was set pretty aggressively. 349.5. Both of you guys playing at conservatives take the under correctly. 279. Wow. Oh, ouch. I didn't realize Jansen's OBP was that low. He was always a very strong on-base guy in the minors. Right. Ouch. I would have predicted 379 before 279 for Jansen this year. Kind of demonstrates like how rare what Kevin Biggio did. Is like the amount of walks that he put up in a very short amount of time in the big leagues, and like some of the the, the on base numbers that he produced it as a rookie uh, at this level, it's it's impressive. All right, next up, players born in the '80s on the forty man roster as of October first. Over under was five and a half. Arden, you go. Well, you went over. Ben, you went under. Another point for Ben. Five. Hang on. So a wait a second, here. though. Hang on a second here. Hang on a no, second. I'm here. counting six. Yeah, I, I got This is Arden. There's six. Yeah, yeah. This is Arden. Buddy Boshears, Clay Buckholtz, Ryan Dull. Do not forget who, who <laughs> Ryan Dull won this for the, me. The late season waiver claim <laughs> saves you. Ryan Dull. That's three. Uh, Matt Shoemaker is four, and Justin Smoke is five. Tapera. And Ryan Tapera 
is six. Oh my goodness. Not to throw him under the bus, but Amal, he gave me some bad info, man. Yeah. So we're tied now? We're, we go back to a tie there. My Ryan bad. Dull. My bad, so but technically Amal's bad, but I'll take it. That waiver claim for Ryan Dull has you tied now. Hey man, he got into the exit interviews. I'll tell did. you what, it was the, the fact that the Blue Jays had that 15-inning uh, game in the last week and needed some extra arms around trying to recover from that. The most pointless baseball game ever played between the Orioles <laughs> and Blue Jays, 15 innings. <laughs> Although I will say, I, I benefited from the Jays cutting Clayton Richard late in the season, so yeah. that's, I guess, a wash on that front. So we're tied. Okay, so we've, we're down to three guys. Blue Jays All-Stars. Over-under was one and a half. Wow. I'm surprised by this one. Both of you guys went over, and it was just the one All-Star, Marcus Stroman. I bet you I thought... Giles would be an all-star as well. I bet I thought Vladdy was going to be an oh, all-star. yeah, Gritchuk, yeah. Gritchuk. Come on, yeah. You would have gone under on that shot? Yeah. Really? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, many, how many rebuilding teams have multiple all-stars? Why wasn't Ken Giles an all-star? I don't know. He had a really fine year. Like, yeah. obviously, like, wasn't available as much as you would have liked him to be over the back half, but he, he was, like, one I of mean, the top I mean, closers in baseball. Right, but no Blue Jay selected off the player ballot no blue juice selected off the fan ballot you even think about just like the late like replacements that that come in my guess is that major league baseball would have wanted more potential innings on that team than one inning closer yeah, just in yeah. case that game goes to extra and you know you need two innings or something from a pitcher plus giles was sidelined at that time so i don't know if that oh, would have impacted the, uh, but i'm guessing the jays would have kind right. of nudged against using him in that right. exhibition game all right our penultimate over under is on the Blue Jays' win total in 2019, 73 and a half. Did we set this? I'm not sure if you guys used uh, your own number or if you used what the Vegas betting lines were at that point. Probably some projection. Yeah. Uh, But both of you, quite correctly, select the under. 67 is the total. 73 and a half just seems high, but I don't know. This is now in, in hindsight of the season. If I remember, there was something that happened toward the end of spring. Did someone get hurt toward the end of spring? Ryan Barucki. Barucki. Maybe that and, was it. And the entire bullpen. And the entire bullpen. And so we, I think that shifted me. Because I was thinking, I was kind of wondering, you know, either way. Right. And then, I guess with those pitching injuries, it's like, no, it's, let's go under. So we are tied after all the questions but one, correct? This All the questions but one. And so this it all comes down to this. question, too. A and very intriguing yeah. scenario. 15 all as we go to my question about how many players would be traded ahead of the trade deadline this season. Would it be more or less than the 2018 total? Right. And so the over under was seven and a half. Do you want to like work backwards with the trades? I feel like that's a good way to do it. So if we like start with the last trade and work back to the first trade made, right? I feel like that's a good way to do it, to get the accurate number of trades. I think that's a good idea, as long as we establish the parameters. So let's just start and work backwards, right? So as players traded off of the 25-man roster, right? So I have opened the Blue Jays transaction page here. It's going to be nothing in September uh, nothing in August. Well, it's Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini so, on July 31st, as well as Daniel Hudson. Right. Okay, so, all right, so, Sanchez, Biagini, Hudson, so there's three. Uh, um, the day David before, Phelps. David Phelps. David Phelps is four. The day before that, Eric Sogard and Marcus Stroman. Sogard and Stroman. No dispute here. Five they were all traded. and six. Um, and that's it for July. Going to June, and I'm, uh, nothing, nothing. in June. 
Let's no. go. Let's go to May. We yeah. got to go back to April. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing in May. All right. Let's go to April. Oh, there's there's Kevin Pillar. Great. There's S- Kevin Pillar. So we're up to seven. Oh, so seven. We're up, so we're up seven to, oh, players traded. We're, we're up to seven. But that the season like actually under. started in March this year. <laughs> uh, is the fact of the matter. So I have to go and see what happened in March. And oh, hey, Kendris Morales. There's eight. Before, Kendris Morales. That was before the season, though. What do you mean is before the season? Season season started in March. But Morales was traded before first pitch. So let's what hear the first pitch. Let's, let's hear the what audio talking from about here. So the stipulation that you're talking about here was that for a trade to count in the over-under, it had to occur after first pitch. And the Morales trade happened before first pitch, so obviously it doesn't count. Yeah, the stipulation's clear. Yeah. I don't like it one bit. Well, you didn't have a problem with it last I- week. No, I didn't. I have a real problem with it now. <laughs> right. I've already lost Dwight Smith Jr. And right. the the only like reason that that even came up was because I asked you, is does Dwight Smith Jr. count? And you were like, no, 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 first pitch. Exactly. And I didn't realize the little jujitsu that you were playing there. I had no idea they were going to trade Morales. And this is this is the way it played out. So it doesn't count on the over-under tally. No, neither did I. I didn't know they were going to trade Morales either. I didn't think they would find somebody to trade from. I don't think the Blue Jays thought they'd find somebody to trade from. From my understanding, like this came up very late. Yeah. And they were like, uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll do that. I feel like I need a concession somewhere else. I'm operating at a disadvantage here, man. I don't like it. I want to litigate this. It also impacts the Teoscar uh, over under in left field Hazel's yeah. question the number of putouts that he would get as a left fielder because now the DH is open Tay Oscar could see some more time as that designated hitter there's a lot of fallout from this but the one I'm primarily concerned about is the trace because <laughs> I took the over <laughs> well like I said you had the chance to object last week and it seemed fair then let's bring it down let's bring it down to six and a half I think we're leaving it exactly where it is. Our listeners have already filled out their uh, over under sheets we can't uh, change the rules up now they're in in stone essentially at this point arden i learned something about ben man i learned something about ben from that that pulling that clip that he plays dirty in the deep end dude you're just learning this now (laughs) the extent of it i'm a little surprised ben i've got a newfound respect for you you clearly don't do a podcast with (laughs) the worst in me yeah they definitely bring out the worst in me but i mean that's compelling evidence right calling that evidence is a complete farce that's not evidence. That's commentary on a podcast. Like, do you have something in writing? Do you Let's have go. something that has been signed? I, Call I mean, that evidence. Guys, I you, have rights. You know what? I want to. We go have a back. charter of rights and freedoms for. <laughs> well, I, listen, I don't think that applies in the over under deliberations on a podcast. You know, let's, we are let, a lawful society. There are rules here. Well, let, let uh, you know this what? is an affront. Let's go back. Let's listen to my exact phrasing of the question, and let's see what we find from there. The Blue Jays traded a total of eight players off the big league roster ahead of the non-waiver and waiver trade deadlines last year. This season, I'm wondering how many players you think they're going to trade off the 25-man roster before the single trade deadline hits on July 31st. I'm eager to see what you guys come up with. You used both big league and 25-man roster. So the question is, how many players will they trade off the 25-man roster, which Kendrys Morales was never on? And, mm. and he never came off the 25 man roster from the year prior. He's, yeah, he's on the, he's no, been a big leaguer. When's the last no, time he was a minor leaguer? It's a big league roster. He's a big leaguer. So there are two ways that we can go look at this. One is the technicality of they don't have an offseason 25 man roster. So Morales was never on the Blue Jays 2019 roster, 25 man roster. But there's another way, which is that we already had this debate and we already agreed that 
preseason trades before opening day would not count, as you heard on the audio. What I believed at the time and what I said at the time, I mean, this was never properly litigated. Like, this was never actually properly argued with the man who actually formulated the question present. Like, we should actually do this in what the spirit of the question was and what he intended with the question. Clearly, he was confused when he recorded it because he didn't even set the over-under in the original question. So you can't go back and say, oh, that he said 25-man roster. He also said big league roster. This was never defined to a standard by which we should hold ourselves, gentlemen. We're better than this. So I'm going to step in here, and as the author of the original question, I'm going to say that the intent of the question was for it to be players on the roster at that time, and Kendrys Morales was going to be on the 25-man roster. He is definitely eligible for that question. That being said, I do understand Ben's point about the way in which I phrased it, and I can see that case. So let's call it a tie. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and no, no, no. It's good. we're going to leave with a very, some may say unsatisfying, I'm going to say diplomatic finish, and we're going to settle this 2019 over under Ben and Arden, a tie. Wow. Do you agree with that? Well, only on... Because you know you're wrong. What a cop out. No, no. Here's I'm what mad was... at you now. <laughs> here's what I was, here's what the I was hard gonna... decisions. I was going to suggest this. Instead of having a tie, why don't we now add a couple over unders that can be resolved soon, maybe in the course of the next couple months. And then, yeah, maybe it's postseason. Maybe it's Blue Jays offseason non-tender decisions, maybe there's a way to, to to push this forward a little bit because I don't think anyone wants to end this with a tie. I don't feel that I have had due process at all throughout I, this I, entire I, I thing. I feel you've both had due process. Yeah. I think you've both made valid points. And it can be argued either way. I promise you that next year in my over-under question, it will be <laughs> far more precise and we will avoid such technicalities again. This is just so unsatisfying to tie. Well, let's throw in this a couple is... postseason over-unders. Oh, we haven't thought of them. Well, we can come up with some pretty quickly. Sure, let's do it. Let's come up with three over-unders. We'll each come up with one. Postseason home runs. I gotta, th- I gotta do research, man. I don't, don't come into these things unprepared oh, and willy-nilly. Does that sound like me? <laughs> to, to, to just fire from the hip? Uh, a little bit, actually. <laughs> a little bit. Let, let's, let's go. Let's not, let's not overdo it. Let's not overthink it. Yeah. But no research then. No like research. Closed laptops. laptops are closed. Laptops closed. There you go. That right. sound you heard was two laptops closed. Laptops closed. Postseason home runs, 64.5. Over. This is a hard under, Arden. This is an easy yeah, under. Okay, I'll, I'll go under. You Great. Convinced, you convinced me. So I'm the over on 64.5. I, I hate taking the under on home runs in today's era. On 64.5. In the, so wild card games, yes or no? Yeah, so including those in the whole batch of postseason home runs. Fine, I'll go under. Okay. I don't like how this is. I don't like this. Well, you can take the over then. He's already written it down. It's written in red. <laughs> okay, mine. I, I don't want to hear any complaining about after the fact. No, on no, this no. One, so. This is your chance to change your, your bet. I'm happy with the over. Fine. Um, my over under is going to be percentage of innings thrown by relievers. And the over under is going to be 50%. And Arden, I'll give you the honor of choosing first. What an honor. Over. Over as well. Now, what if I boost it to 55%? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Over. Under. All right. All right. So 55% of innings thrown in the postseason, the postseason including wildcard games. Yeah. Okay. By relievers. And by so relievers. what I mean by that is guys who didn't start the game. Guys so Steven Strasburg counts as a reliever. Got it. Because he didn't start the game. So it's the guys who don't start. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right, Arden, what you got? So let's just like put this all on the record. So the third category, total home runs hit in New York Yankees, Minnesota Twins, ALDS. The over-under is set at 14 and a half. I am going over. Under. And Ben is going under. So we have the three and we disagree on all of them. Perfect. <laughs> no no technicalities no appeal process yeah. by the way I still this is still a win in my head like in my head I still won over unders this year I think the tape speaks for itself I clearly so. still I think the tape is ridiculous the beauty like, of it is that this will live in dispute forever we will have this argument in perpetuity <laughs> but the reality is that is, the beauty that we will argue forever well <laughs> that's the beauty I mean, of it well we have one more thing to argue you're about supposed to be the arbitrator here you're supposed to be the peacekeeper here <laughs> well the, i was trying to be peacekeeper because i'm giving both of you guys yeah, that was very fair i'm giving both of you guys credit for the points i'm taking responsibility for not being specifically or totally precise in the question but you're spending his full I, day on our podcast you, <laughs> which i will yeah, re, which i will repair in future podcasts so over unders it's going down as a tie but you truly do believe that kendris morales should have been you you believe i won i do believe that kendris morales should have been counted but let's not argue the same point that we've already been arguing about <laughs> since the press box last week <laughs> you know what has to happen the twitter poll has to go up by the way oh i like that we right? should do that the twitter poll has to go up and i should also mention on a serious note i know a lot of uh, people have submitted their own over and unders and filled out their own over unders so definitely tweet us your responses and anyone who got them all or got close to perfect like definitely tweet at us we want to see that so let us know and i'll definitely tweet ben about how he lost as well and definitely like let him know about that while you're on twitter thanks for sticking with us this long for anyone who's listened to this entire podcast seriously thank you thanks to amal delich for having to stitch together uh whatever happened in this room over the last two hours Thanks, Amal Delich, for everything this year, by the way. He's been our producer all year. Follow him on Twitter at A-M-A-N-D-E-L-I-C. He's a fine man. He's got some good sports takes. He produces all the Sportsnet podcasts. He does a great job. Uh, you know, Send him a, a kudos for a job well done this year. Yeah, yeah thanks to Amal. Really, really great job all season. And thank to you, uh, Shai Davidi, for taking your entire day to sit here and bicker with us. Oh, that's... Uh, there, uh, there's nowhere... <laughs> Uh, I would hey, your not, kids might listen. No, yeah, I mean, there's lots of places I would rather be, but you know what? I'm happy that we have brought some sort of conclusion to this uh, over under controversy that has sullied our relationship for the past few days, <laughs> and uh, we can move forward from this and begin a new chapter. That's Shai Davidi. Get him on Twitter at Shai Davidi. You know Ben Nicholson Smith. You know me, Arden Zwelling. This has been, as always, at the letters. <laughs>